0: It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.
1: It is all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Sorry to to, to disappoint Neil's groupies, but he's not in the hot seat this evening. Instead, uh, more than a worthy replacement in Jim Boardman, uh, who I'm sure will interest many of our, uh, the red contingent listening tonight. Uh, So we'll we'll get straight to it. Hey uh, Jim, uh, first of all, welcome back. Oh yeah, yeah it's been, good to be back. It's been a while since you've been in the uh, all-in-the-game hot seat. And yeah. uh, I imagine for you at the moment, judging by what I've seen on social media, it is a bit of a hot seat.
0: Yeah, just a bit. I can't say very much at the moment on Twitter without it being read. There's something a bit yeah. different to what I'm thinking.
1: Now let, let's get down to the issues because <clears throat> we'll, we'll we'll talk a, a bit about Everton um, later on. That, you know, There's plenty going on in Liverpool Liverpool, bubbling under the surface. Uh, the sort of my perspective on it, uh, whereas Everton seem to be uh, quite boring at the moment. There's not <laughs> really going on. Nil-nil's draw at the weekend probably reflects that. Um, they're in a decent run of fixtures, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. But, um, Jim, from when I've sort of dipped in and out, the conversations I've seen that you've been having lately, you've got some absolute pelters from people. Um, and, and clearly, when I've read it, they've interpreted it as you have... I think the buzzword is agenda. Oh, yeah, agenda. I've got
0: all kinds of agendas, apparently. Um,
1: And I mean, by no means this isn't an hour to sort of put your view to them (laughs) and clear your name, as it were, but I just want to sort of get into your perspective on on what's actually going on at Liverpool at the moment because it's interesting in contrast to what Ryan Lowe was saying earlier on. He sort of doesn't see that there's any deeper problems at Liverpool other than what's going on 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 the pitch and Liverpool... You know, just simply aren't performing well, but he thinks that'll be turned around when the likes of storage comes back. But what I was putting to him is that the things that are going on, Brendan Rodgers doesn't seem to be helping that situation at the moment.
0: No, no. I think, um, I mean, he's not quite as bad as this. The worst example of a manager digging bigger holes for himself was Roy Hodgson. who could do something that was that was quite bad, quite terrible, and then he'd talk it into something 10 times worse. Mm. And I wouldn't say Rodgers has quite got to that extreme just now, but but lately some of the things he's saying he's, He's not quite saying, I don't think he's saying what we need to hear. He's very good at the PR. He's always been good at that. That's maybe one of the attributes that got him the job. But at the moment, he's not saying, he just doesn't seem to be saying the right things. He doesn't seem to be showing any signs of passion. He doesn't seem fed up after we've lost a game, which, you know, even if he was putting it on and showing a little bit of passion, maybe um, it wouldn't feel quite as bad. He doesn't think there is a problem, at least from what he's saying publicly, and we don't know what he's saying privately, Um There is. There is a problem. We are 10 games in, struggling. Now, that doesn't mean to say it's time for Rodgers to go. It means it's time for Rodgers to have another look at what he's doing and have a look if there's anything he can do differently. He has made mistakes that perhaps in the transfer window over the summer um, that he can't fix right now. But there's other things he can fix maybe. Um, And just generally, you're just getting this feeling that, you know, it's kind of like you sort of want to shake him by the scruff of the neck for a minute and say, right, sit down and have a look at this to see the way we see it.
1: Yeah, th- th- from I mean, as an outsider looking at it, and many people on Twitter say I'm not an outsider because I like Liverpool so <laughs> <laughs> much. Um, that's partly your fault, by the way. <laughs> but um, what what it seems to me is that I can see how people perceive Rodgers to be a different character to what he the one that walked in the door at Anfield. I mean, I remember going to his initial press conference with Liverpool, yeah, yeah. and he, he was very humbled by being the manager at Liverpool. He was very... Um, he was very nostalgic in how he spoke about the club, and yes. it was almost Shankly esque. Some of the stuff he was coming out with, and like you rightly say, that PR spin, that I say spin. People think I'm being vindictive, but I mean that that sort of winning the media over, yeah. talking in a in a way that he comes off best more than anybody else. Um, that that didn't really come to the fore until last season, and and more so this season when he's finding himself. Having to, well, being prompted to defend the team, being prompted to defend what's going on. But that's not actually happening, is it? He's not actually doing that. He's not deterring people away from what, well, what is happening with Liverpool. If anything, he's making more questions out of and more issues out of things.
0: Yeah, it's sort of... um, It feels... In fact, maybe PR is not the right word. It almost feels political now Mm. that he's kind of saying things in a way that, you know, if you had two political parties, they'd say... They can say the same thing in two very different ways to make it sound like it's a very different thing, but they're actually talking about the same thing. Mm. And he does that. He does do that quite well. And I think if people sit back and listen and take it at face value, he, he probably sounds great to them. He probably sounds like he knows what he's doing. And I'm sure he does know what he's doing, but in terms of what he's saying, it just feels like um, he's just making little slip ups. And he, some people, I mean, I wouldn't go as far as some extremes, but some people are classing him as very arrogant at the moment. Um, that he comes across as very arrogant, that he can't see anything of his own failings. Which
1: you can you can see why people yeah. will get that impression. I mean, yeah.
0: the the Balotelli issue for me, when
1: actually in just bringing the lad in, yeah. I think expresses a bit of. Again, we're talking about the, probably the wrong words here, but ego and arrogance. I don't think they're necessarily the right words I'm looking for. But of that ilk, as in the, the confidence, the over-exuberance to manage yeah. a character like that, where others have failed. Um, for example, I I think he may have seen that Mourinho failed, and he's thought, well, you know, I can. I, this is a challenge for me. Can yeah. I do better? Yeah. Which I? I don't think there's any anything wrong with that in many ways, but. You know, you can see still see why others may think differently.
0: Yeah, and also on top of that is it was always a gamble and, and he should have realised it was always a gamble. You know, I actually admire him to say, bring this player in. I, I can get the best out of him. He's an older, you know, he's not a teenager anymore. He's, he's grown up a little bit. Maybe he's a little bit more mature and I can mature him a little bit further still, make him into a great player. But to basically find yourself pinning everything on him when he was, you know, you've you paid, let's face it, if he was as good as he could be, it wouldn't have been 16 million quid. Mm. Um, we've just got a massive budget of over a hundred million, largely funded by Luis Suarez, who's no longer with us. So, and we've got more games. So you're losing the star striker. You know that the second choice striker stories can miss games through injury. So you need, you need to increase the strikers as well because you've got more games. And what he does is he brings in Balotelli for 16, who was always going to be a gamble and Lambert for four. So, that that's one of the things that doesn't help because at the moment it's this kind of claim, oh, well, well, Sturridge is injured. Well, he kind of knew that there was a good chance that might happen. And if Suarez hadn't have gone, we would have only had him a couple of games ago anyway because he was banned. So it just seems to be a lack of planning, but it, it, he doesn't seem to be able to say, well, look, that was my decision. I, I decided to go this way. He doesn't seem willing to explain to anybody maybe why he decided to go that way. Mm. And he must have known that Sturridge wouldn't play every game all season. And this is in a season where we're kind of making up the numbers with the fixtures with, with you know, I mean, I, I like I love the Europa League. Some people don't. And you could kind of accept if you played a weaker team in a Europa League game. But you don't do that with a Champions League game. You don't do that with a Premier League game. So he needs strong squad to play in both competitions. And to, to find himself basically with one recognised, trustworthy, established striker who gets injured a lot was a bit bit silly, really, mm. if you ask me. And um, he, he doesn't seem capable of actually acknowledging any of this.
1: Um when when Suarez left, uh, people were reluctant to, you know, sort of have the comparison with Gareth Bale and Spurs. That almost became a cliche, yeah. um, what happened with that last season. But nonetheless, that doesn't make it any less true that it is of that sort of thing, isn't it? That you've lost your to- world class, top quality player. You've got the money for him. You've reaped the rewards of him being so good financially. Then you've got to go and reinvest it, which is a challenge within itself. Um, did People, in your opinion, get a bit too uptight about the Suarez issue. As in, oh, he's left, but it doesn't really matter because it does. It's obvious. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does matter. It does matter that he's gone, and I think more than anything, it matters that we don't seem to have kind of. We, I mean, it was true to say you can't replace a player like Luis Suarez. You can't, um, not unless you're really lucky. There'll only be one like him if you like. Yeah. Same with Gareth Bale at Spurs. They they are not going to get another player that that does for them what he did for them. But you you've got to. You've, you've got to you've got to kind of adapt Liverpool, good players have left the club before and what you do is you get someone who does something different but maybe you know maybe change your way slightly um I mean going back years Kevin Keegan and Kenny Dalglish weren't the same kind of player but in a way you know Liverpool found found a slightly different way to use Dalglish to how they'd use Keegan he was a slightly different player and, and and he turned into something better than the one they'd lost we thought it was going to be the end of the world and I know football was probably a more simple game then there was a the, the, the pool you were looking in for talent was a bit smaller, but Kenny Dalgleish was lined up long before Kevin Keegan left. You know, they knew they were going to get him. They, they, they knew who they were going to go for. And you feel with Suarez going, they knew that he was going a year ago, probably. They knew, they knew that he was going when he signed that new contract and they put a new clause in so he could go and so on. And the, where, where, why didn't they find the right players to to replace him? And, and again, if you're going to go and play a different way, that's fair enough. But there doesn't seem to be anything from Rogers to say that that was the plan to play differently, and this is how these are the players that we're going to use. You know, you can't pin everything on the absence of storage.
1: If we do look at the recruitments, um, it, it's interesting the way it is because I, I was listening to you know colleagues of yours on the Anfield Rap earlier on this season, and I think I remember um, Simon Hughes, uh, the writer of yeah, his really good book that he wrote yeah. on Liverpool in the 80s, and uh, I think Neil asked everybody who, who was there. To assess Liverpool's transfer window and how they'd done compared to other sides, and he gave Liverpool a nine out of ten. And similarly, I think Mike Nevin was on there. I think he gave them a a seven, and was a little bit more conservative. That's Mike. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But generally, um, it was you know very positive sort of outlook on the recruitment that that happened. It looked as if you know the the gaps that were there last season, um, mainly coming from anything beyond twelve men or thirteen men. Yeah. Liverpool all of a sudden had the squad they had the 18 uh, they had players to come in who could change a game uh, you know you look at you look at lallana um obviously markovic was touted as being a top class winger yeah. emre chan you know liverpool were looking to get him escaping the clutches of Bayern munich yeah um it all seemed very positive then not all of a sudden but gradually we've seen these lads come in and injuries been a mitigating circumstance in in terms of chan i think he, he looks yeah. physically imposing he looks like if he gets it together, he can be a real beast in in that yeah. in that position. Whereas you contrast that with the likes of Markovic, who looks very, very, you know, he approaches things with trepidation. He he doesn't yeah. seem fully committed to the cause. Many times I've covered the game in here where you're thinking just hit the ball, yeah. shoot, yeah, and he's tried to to play a pass, or so he doesn't look like he's sort of conformed to the ways of the Premier League and Brendan Rodgers' philosophy and whatnot. And all of a sudden you're looking at that recruitment and you're thinking well I'm on what have we actually got here we've got load the lads who've show promise by that account we've probably paid over the odds for them Yeah. and all of a sudden that's a stick with which to beat Brendan Rodgers with isn't it and yeah, it's funny the way how quickly it can change if these players don't hit the ground running and then all of a sudden the elephant in the room is well hang on you've lost Luis Suarez Yeah. so there's that backdrop to it as well so where do you stand on sort of how the recruitment went over the summer?
0: Um, it seemed to be going quite well, but I mean, on a personal note, I'd actually I'd actually heard Suarez was going well pretty much the last day of the season. I think is when I found out that he was that he was going to go. So I spent most of the summer thinking, let's see how this plays out with the actual spending because it was being played as look how generous the owners are being with with Brendan, look how much money they're giving him because all these these signings were being. Were being well were happening or were about to happen, and the the money being spent was building up and up and up, and I just thought, well, Lou Suarez is going soon for something like seventy million. Are we going to still have the seventy million on top of what we 've already spent and someone fed the press that 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 was true we would get whatever we've already spent plus whatever we we got for Suarez, and obviously we didn 't you know we, we I think it was about thirty million net spend in the end, and I just felt like if if what had been said in the press had been true, we were still going to buy. An expensive striker because we seemed to sort of shore up some of the other areas, but we didn't quite do the bit up at the front. It was almost as if we'd forgotten with Sol Suarez. Um Lovren looked a good which many signing. Many people wanted. Well, yeah, which is the great yeah. irony, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, Lovren looked good, and when he first came in, he looked good. But as a few people have said, he's just looked less and less confident as the season's gone on, and it feels like, however good a player he might have been when we bought him, he's not that player now. And I'm not sure if he's gonna be that player, you know, because I think sometimes once your head's gone, it's gone. So that's something else that Rogers maybe needs to look at is how he can get something out of these defenders. Because I can't help but think that the money that's been thrown at the defence, it's it's probably mounting up to quite some amount now in the last couple of years. Yet it's still a very leaky defence. I mean, to be fair, it's not leaked loads of goals in the league just lately, but it's it's leaked enough and it's not not one you can trust. Um and there was also the issue about the goalkeeper, you know, we thought Valdez was going to come in later, and that that seemed like okay. That's that's a decent bit of competition for Minulay. Maybe he'd even get Minulay's place, but that one that one died a death, and apparently he's training with Manchester United now. So again, it, I, I was I was relatively happy. I probably would have been like Mike with a six or a seven, mm. um, but maybe the way we've used them, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to have worked out.
1: How much do the owners figure in this? I mean, you're talking about net spend of thirty million. You've sold a player for an excessive. Well, around the seventy million pound mark. Yeah. Obviously there's a there's a forty million pound underspend there. Yeah. Plus the cash that you said you'd heard had already been promised yeah. to reinvest in the squad. Um FSG all the cracked up to be and, and and I mean that in the in probably the, the least cynical way possible, given the previous ownership.
0: Yeah. Well that's the thing. A lot of people do that to kind of give FSG a good um, a good press, if you like to say. Well, look at them compared to Hicks and Gillette. You can't. There's not many people gonna compare compare badly to Hicks and what Gillette.
1: Me and you look like good owners compared to. Yeah, Hicks and exactly. Gillette, yeah, we?
0: and we've probably both of us got more money between us. It. Just about <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we if we put our hands down the back of the couch and stuff. Yeah. But but this is the thing. Being better than them doesn't actually make you good enough. Yeah. Um. They are still a hedge fund, if you like, and I don't think that that makes them sound very sinister. And I don't think they're quite as sinister as that makes them sound but we were spending something like 20 million net spend back before Hicks and Gillette came along, or when they first came along. That was kind of the, the, the money the club could generate at the time. Since then, the commercial side has gone massive. We're making making far more money commercially. The ticket prices are going sky high. Talking of sky, the TV money's going through the roof, money from overseas, TV money. We're back in the Champions League again this season. 30 million net spend doesn't quite sound... Right, given what we knew in the past, and that doesn't, and, and, it, and we can't really work out why. You know? we look
1: at that in comparison, for instance, to Evans' accounts which come out this week. I mean, debt's almost been halved, yeah. Um, commercial sales are up, they turned over in excess of 100 million pounds for the first time in their history. Yeah, these are things that clubs are getting nowadays, these are things that are the norm for clubs. Yeah. Whereas you think Liverpool probably had a head start on everybody else in, in yeah. that regard, yet they don't seem to have reflected the progression everybody else is making
0: yeah that's it and you know other clubs do get to spend that you know very similar amounts actually you know and and rogers actually did wouldn't say complain that might be pushing it he did mention about his budget earlier on in the season it was just after storage had gone out and he said you know where we get a quarter of the budget of the other teams competing for the top four mm. now whether that's true or not i'm not sure probably net net spend wise it probably is although the amount he spent was obviously phenomenal but you know, why why is that? Why the the season you get back in the Champions League isn't isn't that money being made available? Um I mean another perhaps a little fault was that some of the signings only came in late. You know, if the money was available at the beginning of the season, it would have been good to have them all in for pre season, get them to know each other. Um and that's another issue we've had, getting players to know each other. I think this is this season after last, having to play a game every few days. Is another thing that's kind of upset Mm. Brendan. I think, perhaps more than he realised. And when you think that he's talking about players like Sturridge needing a couple of days off after one game before they can train properly for the next, well, you don't really get a couple of days between games now. So it'd be interesting to see whether that's part of the problem that he's not—he's training players to try and keep them fit, but maybe not training them to get them ready for games. I don't know. There's just lots of little things that you start to wonder about. Mm. And this isn't me saying I want him out. This is more me saying, you know. I quite like to sit down and ask him these questions and yeah. see, you know, even you know, just to see what it is. Because I think, like most Liverpool fans, you don't want this to happen. You want to fix it, and if there's anything you can do to help, you would. And this is all you do, and you're asking questions because you're worried. Yeah,
1: right, let's take a breather. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Uh, we're back with more in just a couple of minutes. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back. It is all in the game. It's nearly half past six. Uh, it's uh, Jim Bourbon in here with me, Dave Downey, Neil Accords has decided to take a break as we approach the cold dark winter We get another <laughs> international break, Jim. I can't can't cope with these international breaks. It just seems like there's more and more of them now.
0: Yeah, there's just um I think this is the last one until March though, so That's nice, isn't it? Um you know, Seth Blatter must must get go into hibernation for the winter I think or Roy, something. Roy d- Roy definitely does. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be coming to a Premier League round here, you though, no doubt. Oh yeah, if they I, let him in. Yeah, I just want to continue the talk. Uh, what we sort of were getting into towards the break, and Steven Gerrard's become more of an issue than it probably sh- he probably should be. Yeah. Um, at this stage in his career, because he's sort of vocal in the media saying he wants a new deal. If he doesn't get one, you know, he he doesn't have a problem with going elsewhere, similar to Frank Lampard, what he's done. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I think. You know, Lampard and Chelsea were sort of one entity where you sort of were shocked that he didn't see out his playing days at Chelsea. But in comparison, Gerard not seeing out his playing days at Liverpool is inconceivable, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yet, there appears to be a distinct possibility of this happening. How does it get that far?
0: Um, it's a strange one, I think. I mean, I mean, just, just the stuff that went on last week, I, I, I heard... He'd already been offered a contract before he had the interview, or before the interview came out at least, there was an offer on the table. And it seems that that offer just isn't as good as he was hoping for. Now, in anything like this, it's contract negotiations. Everyone takes their own side. Gerard will will know what he thinks he's worth. The club will know what they think he's worth. But whether they're actually using those figures, you know, or or somewhere, something obviously, to to other extremes of those two figures. is, is is all part of how things play out like this. It's a shame it's played out in the media though, because this isn't a kind of this isn't a player who, who came to the club five years into his professional career, and you know he's isn't even playing in his own country or even in his own hometown. This is a lad who, who's been at the club since he was a kid. Um, he's, he's knocked back offers in the past, although he has come close when he's felt maybe insecure and worried. Um, but he stayed all the way through, and really, this all should be being being getting done, you know, behind closed doors, and and whatever whatever's going on, people should be able to be honest with each other. I mean, you're talking about Steven Gerrard should be able to be honest with the club, and the club should be able to be honest with him, and say, look, this is as much as we think you're worth, and him saying, well, that's that's fair enough, you know, that's that's probably is all I'm worth, you know, and sort of come into some kind of a a deal without playing it out in the back pages. Um, from what Rodgers has apparently said over the weekend, it seems that Rodgers would quite happily give Stephen Gerrard whatever he's asking for, but the owners seem to be thinking, no, we don't want to give him that much, which is understandable. He's 34, and when players get to that age, you don't know whether they've got four more years left in them or four more months, you just mm. you just don't know. And a lot of players who have retired have said it, it came all of a sudden, the day. It's you a know. massive
1: gripe that I have with Everton at the moment, to be honest with you, yeah. because we seem to be handing out Two year plus deals yeah. to lads who are in excess of like thirty two, thirty three years old, and the 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 irony there is Sylvain Distan is probably the the, the shining example of, of of players getting on but still being yeah. worth you know very much the waiting goal for a club. Um, he only gets offered one of year contracts. You know it's it's rolling every year. They yeah. assess the situation and ask him. He's very much part of the input, and then they yeah. make a, a, a decision where all parties are. <clears throat> yeah. happy at the end of it where and, and then you know you go and look at the likes of Gareth Barry he gets a three year contract at the age of thirty three. Yeah yeah um you can see how that caused disharmony to anywhere else. Obviously it seems to be working up to now touch wood forever because Gareth Barry yeah. seems to you know be in, in the best form of his career. Yeah uh, some would argue but I think when it the, the you know you need to be sensible in these situations. I think when you get reached that stage of a player's career nobody wants to see Stephen Gerrard leave Liverpool. Um, no him least of all I'd imagine yeah. that he does not want to leave Liverpool yeah you know it, it it makes you does make you wonder that again you know the cynical side does sort of make you think what is actually going on if they the that the, 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 you'd imagine that the polls are part in terms of negotiations yeah. if he feels he has to go and speak to the press about it and the manager's yep. taking a stance where he supports that. He says, "Give him whatever he wants." He's Steven Gerrard, he, you know. Mm. And the more, more overwhelming thing I think is, and we've seen very much in your case this week, it's splitting the fan base yeah, as well yeah. because, you know, everybody's going to, you know, a large portion of fans are going to be. You can't let Steven Gerrard go. Look at the services given to the club. He should simply be given what he asks for.
0: Yeah, that's what someone's saying, and I think I kind of understand where that's coming from, but. I think what he should be. We don't know the figures involved. Is he asking for what he should be asking for? If he's this great, little involved in it, Jim. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I think think you've got to be hard with these things. I think managers in the past who've done well would be hard. I mean. You think of any successful manager, and you can imagine them doing the same thing. Um, in fact, years and years ago, when I, as I was growing up, Manchester United had won nothing. So I grew up in a place where they, you'd get the odd Manchester United fan, but they tend to hide. Mm. But when you did meet them, they were, they were they were quite quite cocky about about their team on victories I'd never seen, and maybe that's how Liverpool fans look to them now to some extent. But the the person they seemed to get everything going on was Brian Robson. That Brian Robson was the man, the man who could guide them to their title. And for years and years and years, they were kind of using him. And perhaps maybe building him into something that he wasn't. And in fact, from what I can remember, the season they finally did win the league, he he hardly played. You know, he was he was out quite a lot. And mm-hmm. I think I think when they lifted the trophy, he either came off the bench or came from the sidelines and lifted it with them with his tracky top on. So I think you know maybe we're getting to a stage with Gerard now where are we over reliant on him? Are we are we? It feels it times like Rodgers is building his team around him. You know, picking his side to fit Gerard in somewhere, which. I can kind of understand but at the other other time it's not really building us up for the future Um, and really where else will he go and I think if you're being if you're being tough about these things you think well maybe a club in the States would give him a nice payday he can go have a bit of time in the sun and a bit more you know let's face it probably an easier an easier playing career um, if he went over to the States but I just can't see him lining up for another club in this country and and for them paying him what he wants and giving him, the, if you like, the power that he's got here that maybe you want. So I think you've got to kind of split things a little bit, which is perhaps what the negotiation should be. Yeah. You know, he wants he wants a lot of money. Liverpool don't want to give it to him. You know, let's just, just split, find something in the middle. I'm not keen on Rodgers kind of taking his side against the owners as well, because that's another thing, you know, that again... Rogers should have just said, yeah, it's all been spoken about now. You know, it's all been discussed mm. and just, just moved along. But now it gives the impression that there's almost a split between what Rodgers and Gerrard want and what the owners want. And that, you know, we don't want to start hearing all that kind of stuff.
1: No, and it doesn't it doesn't it bode well, does it, when you hear situations like that? I mean, I, no. I remember talking to Neil several times saying, when you see a player on the decline, and let's face it, I think everybody would agree Gerrard's on the, the downward curve in his yep. career. Um when when players reach that then and the club legends, he's been there his his whole life. I can understand how incredibly difficult it must be to finally reach that point where you say, Look, this is enough. Yeah. When he is stubborn about carrying on. Yeah. Now, footballers always say career's too short, the worst thing I did was stop playing, you'd a yeah. long time retired, things like that. And I can completely understand that. But I think a player of Steven Gerrard's ilk has an obligation to Liverpool, to, you know, be a bigger person about it and say, "Look, I'm not helping the team anymore. Yeah. I'm. I think I'm having a, not an adverse effect, but I don't. I think there's somebody better that can come in, and I shouldn't be starting yeah. in this role. Now, I'm not saying it's reached
0: that point yet. No, but you've got to be imagine ready yeah.
1: the, with with the, with the way things are at the moment you'd think that it could potentially reach a stage like that?
0: Yeah. Well, it's the thing that it's going to happen one day. Now, whether it happens this season or in five seasons' time, you just, you know, I mean, five seasons is pushing it, but you, you just don't know when it's going to happen, but it, it will start to happen. There will be other players who come through and start getting better. I mean, maybe 12 months from now, Chan will make it impossible for Gerard to get a game. I, I, I can't quite see it, but, you know, he's only a young lad and if he, if he fulfils potential and all the rest of it, then maybe... As, as Gerard sort of eases off even a you know, a little bit more than he is now, you know, eventually Chan would overtake him. Um and I don't know, I think I think some players do actually admit, you look, I am done now. I mean, Raheem Sterling actually said at nineteen the other week he's tired. <laughs> but you know, play, some players will I think actually one of the issues with Gerard is I don't think he will. I think if if Gerard actually feels worn out, struggling, he's, he's played too many games, he feels tired, he says not in the right place, whatever it is, I still think Gerard would walk across broken glass to yeah, play for Liverpool. And that's the problem. And it? that's it, yeah. that, that's a good thing from him. But a manager needs to be able to see that and, and to say, look, I'm going to give you a rest for this game. He's playing three times a week yeah. and it's a long season and if it's not impacting on his performances now, which plenty argue it is, it's going to do before the season's out, I think.
1: Yeah, it is very much like that. You, you sort of, you know, you, you, he plays long enough to see himself become the villain. As yeah. in, you know, it he, he becomes detrimental to the side, yeah. And you know, you can't help but look at that from a fan point of view and from a managerial point of view. Certainly, that that is quite selfish, really. Yeah. Um, but I can see I completely see the other argument where people are saying, How, "Who are you to say Steven Gerrard's selfish? Yeah, for wanting to carry on playing for Liverpool." That that is what that is one of the attributes that made him world class in the first place. I yeah. think it's incredibly difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is actually one of the. The heroes of recent years. There actually was a red growing up as well. Mm. You know, your lot, your other lot. I had Carragher. You know, Michael Owen, um, uh, Stephen Mannum, I and a lot of these players were, were blues growing up. But Gerard was a red growing up, despite that dodgy photo of him in a in, yeah. a, in a blue top. Um, I
1: like that photo though, Jim.
0: It's child cruelty though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's holding
1: yeah. the league title.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I'm surprised it's not in uh, black and white. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I think it vaguely is <laughs> the photo quality is that popular. yeah polaroid um <laughs> but yeah he he, he's, he, is, he has been a red through and through and I don't know I think his last contract there was talk about having about him having a role long term after he'd finished playing so well, you know the last I'm contract, not totally the sure about in life yeah. of
1: it, it included an ambassadorial yeah sort of you know ceremonial position after it
0: yeah and that's it and you know we he would make an ambassador, and a lot of th- another thing we're saying is, what is Gerard going to do when he finishes playing? He doesn't really seem the type to be comfortable sitting in a studio, um, mm. talking about games, being a pundit. He doesn't even seem the type to be wanting to stand in the dugout and, and do coaching. So, you know, what maybe that's another reason why he wants to carry on as long as he does, because maybe he doesn't know what he wants to do.
1: Mm. It's interesting. You know, you're talking about players going on perhaps a little bit too long. I'm, I'm in the midst of reading Leon Osman's, Leon Osman. Osman's, <laughs> Leon Osman's book at the moment. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that when I come back. Not not specifically Leon Osman, but in terms of what he has to say about David Moyes and club mentality. Yeah. So uh, stay right there. We're back in a couple of minutes with more All in the Game. It's All in the Game on City Talk 105.9.
0: Everything and anything football.
1: It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It's me, Dave Darnie, with Jim Borman tonight. Uh, Neil will be back next week, I'm assured. He's over in Madrid or somewhere like that, Jim. He's, with... I
0: think he's gone a, on a little cultural trip around the museums, and he'll, uh, yeah. you know, a nice relaxing couple of days. Because
1: he is that cultural kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've had a few complaints about the podcast yeah um, And I assure you it's not my fault to our listeners here. Uh, Mind you, the ones who are listening now probably don't moan about the podcast because they listen to us live. (laughs) Yes, Um, that's true. So, yeah, the podcast will be fine. I've had assurances from iTunes and whatnot that everything, all the bugs are fixed and uh, the, the podcast will be up probably within the hour after the show, so... Um, if you have missed most of tonight's show, which has been riveting, by the way, if you do get the chance to listen back and hear some of Jim's views on um, what's going on at Liverpool at the moment. It is fascinating, so do recommend you you listen to us. Um, we haven't got long left, Jim, but I, I was talking to Lowy and Sangy in the hour before this show and uh, was talking about Leon Osmond's book and the thing that sort of resonates with me quite a lot, uh, looking post Moys yeah. at Everton, is the the lack of sort of belief that this team could go on and probably achieve anything else and um, you'll be able to you know be able to relate to this because you know the turning point for me not the turning point but the defining point for me was the FA Cup semi final in twenty twelve yeah um and you know by all accounts most Reds who I've spoken to would say Everton had Liverpool where they really yeah. wanted them let's yes say. definitely yeah and they threw it away. Uh, or well, Liverpool went and grabbed the Sylvan and threw it away. Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Everton didn't win the game, and uh, from that point of view, it, from that moment on, I started questioning what sort of Moyes' beliefs and ethos, you know, was at Everton at the time, in terms of getting the most out of his players. And I don't think anyone can deny that David Moyes got the most out of. The players yeah, yeah. at Everton because he did a phenomenal job in large parts. Just and look
0: at Fellaini, for example. It's very easily you know, forgotten. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, Fellaini, prime example, um, and largely, by and large, these players are, are still at Everton now, and um, they missed out on fourth place yeah. considerably last season. But five games to go, they were favourites to take that fourth place ahead of Arsenal. Yeah, slipped up in the home game against Crystal Palace. Don't and, talk about slip-ups against Crystal Palace, Yeah, I was just going to say, I was only thinking as well, just to go off on a tangent, you've got the same run of fixes, haven't you? You've got Chelsea home, Palace away.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think we'll be out of it by then unless we change <laughs> dramatically.
1: Um, and what the, the problem I had with it was he seems to have a very defeatist attitude when it comes to actually talking about genuine progression for this yeah. club. And um, there's that sort of sentiment in Osman's book so far that I'm only halfway through it. And he's saying that when Moyes got the United job, the senior players were were pleased for him that he, he he reached. I'm only paraphrasing here, but he deserved the job of that magnitude. Yeah, and I think that's that's bang out of order for a football player to say. I, yeah, I think it's fine to think it because obviously you know nobody's hearing it then. Yeah, but when you get to a stage where you feel like you have got to express those feelings, yeah, would would you would you have a Liverpool player, see, Steven Gerrard come out and Brendan Rodgers got the Real Madrid job tomorrow.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he dra- how, he how bad would the you walk? feel if yeah. that happened? Yeah. Or, or maybe even looking at it a different way, what if Rodgers went back to his old club, Chelsea? Yeah. You know, and that's that's another fear that I'd rather not go into at this moment in time. Yeah. But, you know, that could happen and you wouldn't want the players to, I don't know, maybe on a personal level, so yeah, yeah, well done. But there was that thing with Moyes at times. It felt like he arrived with Everton a kind of relegation candidate of a club, and at times he had them right in the Champions League places, but it was as if at times he was just he just wanted it to be safe. He just wanted it to be, um, you know, safety. You know, mid table even was okay. And
1: yeah, I think he loved the underdog tag. Too oh, much,
0: definitely, definitely. I mean, he was what he, he used to love going into games, and I think that cup final you're talking about was actually. Hang on, maybe you're not the underdogs here actually yeah. for once. And and maybe that's what hit him partway through the game, and he kind of panicked almost, you know. Yeah. It's like the old cartoon character walking off the edge of a cliff and suddenly realising the mid-air, uh, yeah, you know. Like, that's the perfect analogy. The realisation.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, mind you, he definitely <laughs> walked off that cliff at United. But
0: the, the change when Martinez came in showed, you know, the attitude was, well, actually, you know what, we can we can be mm-hmm. someone, we can do more than just have this, this, and I hate to say this because it sounds wrong, but... Um, this thing about, as long as we finish above Liverpool, that's okay. But there was often that sort of sense coming out with wayne way Moyes was talking. Well, I, I, I you think know. A, lot
1: of, a lot of Blues are maybe hide behind that, but I'm of the opinion that that's very small-time thinking. I think that's yeah. defeatist thinking. It's a slight because bonus. That's, a, that's all yeah. that should be is a bonus. It's, you should be happy with your own season, I mean, you know. I hate that term, <laughs> bragging right? It's like battered. Yeah. It's one of those words. But yeah. that's all it ever is, really. It's all it ever should be. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I know Evertonians, the first thing they look for is the two games against Liverpool. If we win them and finish 17th, yeah. they're happy yeah. with the season. Yeah, the bragging
0: rights should be who's got the best of trophies. You know, like one of us has got yeah. the league and one of us has got the league cup. The bragging rights, well, we won the league kind of thing. That's exactly. what we should be aiming for as bragging rights.
1: Absolutely. And, and and that's been lost, I think, over the over recent years, which is why I'm so thankful Martinez is there now. Yeah. But um, what worries me is the six senior players he was talking about, that he, Moyes he's invited uh, to a hotel to tell them, he, they he was they were the first to know. Yeah. Where Baines, Osman, Howard, Hibbert, um, I'm trying to think who else. Mm. it slipped me mind. Now it might it might have been distant. Um. Uh, all 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 of the senior players that he invited there, the the spine of Everton's team basically. Yeah. Um. And he tells them, and they have that general reaction that Osman's speaking of Yeah. What concerns me is these lads are still there now. Yeah. And they've had eleven years of that sort of. Oppression's probably going a bit too yeah, far, yeah. But they've had that—that that eleven, twelve years of that being just stuffed into them. The listen, boys, we've got Man City at the weekend. You know, let's all get together and beat these. But then, sort of that realization when they get to a cup semi-final, and on This is this is big time for us. This this is almost like stage yeah, fright. Yeah. And it worries me that those players are, st- are still there now people are going to say, well, hang on, you worried that Leighton Baines is still at Everton. He's, there are exceptions, obviously, because <laughs> their, their skills as a footballer transcend yeah. that sort of talk. But what gets me is that Everton is still, regarded as a team, the punch above the weight. That was very much Moise's mantra yeah. whilst yeah. at Everton. Um, but now I think it, that, that mentality needs a massive shift and I think it's probably one of the last things left to do for Martinez yeah. is to sort of, you know, drain that out of them, to, the, they are the top players they they can go and achieve,
0: yeah, 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 and he needs to, and he needs to find out if if they do believe that as well because um he doesn't want to he can't change too much. I mean, look at what has happened to Liverpool by bringing loads of more plays in. um he can't change too much, but he does need to look at them and look at who it's time to move on and who we can bring in in the place. and I'm sure he will, I'm sure he will. um they can still do a certain amount of a job for him, and if they don't start to believe in themselves, then yeah he does he does need to move them on mm. he's he's ambitious and they need to match his ambition.
1: And just just to finally round off, um, what's been a great hour? How do you feel about? Or how how what are your thoughts behind? It? Like he, Leon Osman is largely criticised, and he gets he gets the the main bulk of criticism if Everton lose. Yeah, as does Tony Hibbert. Why is that the case with local players? Because I was talking to Sangi, and he was saying you'd think it'd be the opposite. You think, yeah, uh, John Flanagan, yeah, prime example. Liverpool win a game; it's John Flanagan's like there. Yeah. Everton win a game, and Leon Osman does something positive to affect that. It's a well, well done, Aussie. But yeah, you know, I've seen back, it. Into, I, back into ranks.
0: I think you believe it. Or not, years ago, Jamie Carragher even got a little bit of that. Yeah, I said that. Um, yeah. You know, and it does happen that it's this local lad, and it's almost jealousy because he's like he's that should be me. I should be there, and I think that's what it is. And if I was there, I'd be doing better. So I'm going to blame him. Whereas that Spanish lad, well, he's different to me, and I don't know. I think that maybe that's what it is, and it's not right. It's not right.
1: No, it's not at all, and you know. I was saying about Gerard sort of transcends that, but maybe not so much now with what we're <laughs> seeing. Does he? You know, you can see that argument where people are, are going to get on his back and say, "Look, you know, it's time to say yeah. stop."
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a shame. It's a shame that people have to be like that. You know, and, and maybe not be as constructive as they could be. Mm.
1: So Real Madrid, Liverpool tomorrow, Jim. Are you going to be betting your head in the sand or?
0: Oh, I don't even. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying not to think about <laughs> it. I think. Uh, It'd be nice, if we got a draw, that would actually be a good result now, and I hate saying things like that, but it would be, and it would maybe give us a little bit of a morale boost.
1: Right, it's been fantastic having you on the show, Jim. Thanks for having uh, me. Don't let it be this long before we see you again. Okay. It's been All In The Game on City Talk 105.9. Me and Neil are back, same time, same place, next week. It's All In The Game on City Talk 105.9.